Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. My name is Ken Hume, and I run an estate agency in southwest London, southwest 16 Norbury, to be precise, which is between Streatham and Croydon. And so we're at the coalface when it comes to property sales and lettings. And I do this other podcast to give you the latest news in UK property across the country and also the local news, what's going right here, what's going on right here in southwest London. So I hope you're all well. Um, It's the summertime almost this weekend, projected to be one of the hottest. As I speak, we've got the 10th and 11th predicted to be really hot. So people will be out in the gardens having barbecue for those people that are selling. They'll be dressing their gardens, ready to present. Um, lots of things to talk about today. First thing is, of course, it's the elephant in the room. Mortgages. They've all gone up, haven't they? Have you noticed? Bit of a shocker. Not unexpected because of inflation. What we all anticipated was that as fuel prices come down, so we will see then mortgage rates come down because inflation will follow. But unfortunately, food inflation has been very stubborn and is sitting at something like 19% right now, which is why we now anticipate, and it's widely held, that there will be interest rate rises, um, quite possibly another 1% between now and the end of the year. And that's going to be really tough on a lot of people. There are people out there that are struggling, and it's kind of counterintuitive because you know there are some sectors of the market which seem to be saying, well, you know, it's not a problem, and it is a problem, and it depends who you talk to, doesn't it? And the reality is it depends what your position is. If you have a five- or ten-year fixed-rate mortgage and you fixed that last year or the year before, and by the way, if you listen to this podcast and took the advice, you're probably already on one, then you really don't have to worry. Conversely, if you're on a variable rate or what we call a tracker where we track the base rate of the Bank of England, then it's a problem. And the reason is these swap rates. Now, what a swap rate is, it's the rate on which fixed rate mortgages are based. And it comes from the money markets. And it's about what the markets expect to happen with interest rates. And because they're all now predicting higher interest rates than was previously anticipated, lenders are withdrawing their deals. Uh, For instance, an article here in the Times, HSBC withdraws all mortgages with hours notice. And it goes as follows. HSBC has withdrawn all its mortgage deals with only hours notice, following moves by other lenders to increase fixed rate mortgage deals. The bank set a 5 p.m. deadline for securing new deals. But after experiencing significant demand at 3.45, it pulled all the remaining deals immediately. New customers will have to wait until Monday for mortgages to become available. This comes as Nationwide said it would increase fixed rate deals by 0.25 percentage points, following moves on Sunday by Santander and TSB which suddenly withdrew its 10-year fixed-rate deals, two-and-a-half-year and and five-year deals on Monday and Wednesday. The Halifax did the same. David Hollingworth from Broker LNC said, lenders cannot keep pace with what is happening around them. Borrowers will need to move fast if they've found a fix and they look like the look of, as lenders seem to be giving less notice, not more. It seems almost unfair, doesn't it, that a lender can offer you a rate and then that rate can just be pulled right before you apply or just as you're applying. So uh, watch out for that. If you're looking to fix, then this is not financial advice, but our advice is always speak to a financial advisor, preferably from someone you know and trust, and make sure you get proper advice. Independent is the key word here. You need an independent 
financial advisor because you want whole of market advice. And if you've got a tied financial advisor to a particular bank or building society, then you may be in a position where you're only getting offers of what that lender will give you. And that's not what you really need to know. You need to know what all the lenders will do in terms of your particular circumstances. And this is where a broker is really helpful because, of course, for most of us, we don't want to have the awkward question, you know, are my circumstances okay, especially first-time buyers? It can be very awkward, can't it? my circumstances are this, is that okay? Where a broker can look at your circumstances and say, well, Santander will wear that one, but actually Barclays will hate it. You know, And it's those kind of things that you really need to know. So as far as the mortgage market is concerned, lots going on. Uh, the super rich have taken a hit as well. London super prime market has taken a hit according to the Evening Standard. It says the share, London share of the international super prime market took a hit for the first quarter of 2023 due to the interest rate rises and lingering effects of the former Prime Minister Liz Truss's mini budget. According to Knight Frank, just 36 10 million plus homes were sold in London in the first quarter compared to 88 in Dubai and 67 in Hong Kong and 58 in New York. A combined total of 3.1 billion was spent on 161 super prime properties in the year to March 2023. And these deals took place in, you guessed it, Kensington, followed by Belgravia and Mayfair. Liam Bailey, global head of research at Knight Frank, said London was hit by the speed of interest rate rises in the final quarter of 22 and also by the hangover from the ill-fated mini budget last year, all of which weighed heavily on demand in the first three months of this year. On Brighton news, the OECD has upgraded Britain's growth prospects and now expects that the UK will dodge a recession this year. Housing, house building activity, however, has contracted at the fastest pace since COVID lockdown. And this is an article in the Financial Times, and it says that house building activity in the UK has contracted at the fastest pace, according to the latest construction purchasing managers index from S&P Global and the Chartered Institute of Procurement, Procurement and Supply. Work on residential building products fell for a six month in a row in May, with the activity in the house building industry dropping to 42.7, which is the lowest figure for more than 14 years. Despite the decline in residential development, the PMI survey showed the total construction activity had risen to a measure of 51.6 in May, driven by increases in commercial building and civil engineering projects. However, the chief economist, John Glenn, at the Institute said the drop off in development will send a chill down the spine of the UK economy. Well, that might be true for the UK economy, but actually, that just means a further undersupply of property. And the one thing that the property market actually makes the property market go up is an undersupply. And that's been the big problem of the last few years is everybody expected after COVID and after this and after that, the property market would fall off a cliff. And it really never has. And the reason it never has is due to a lack of supply. And I'll come on to that in a moment, what we're experiencing locally. But just another headline for you in the Daily Telegraph, Paragon Banking Group. These are buy-to-let specialists, and it, the headline is Defies Buy-to-Let Fears, Paragon Group. It's reported half-year profits of a record nature, despite concerns about the health of the buy-to-let property market. It raised its forecast for mortgage lending this year to between 1.75 and 1.9 billion, up from at least 1.6 billion including 1 billion of new mortgage lending achieved in the six months to the end of March, up 19% on the period the same year earlier. Underlying profits rose to a record, and Nigel Terrington, their chief executive, said that while there may be anecdotal signs that higher interest rates are pushing some amateur landlords to sell, professional investors are the net buyer in the market. And these are the guys who are long-term property investors. They're highly experienced. They've got multiple property portfolios that they're dealing with, and they know that the significant level of Demand is exceeding supply so much that the yields are improving 
so that's interesting, isn't it? Because so many are exiting the sector, especially the smaller buy-to-let landlord. But we're certainly seeing that, that the larger professional landlords are still buying, not in significant numbers, I have to say. Um, it is a, a very fragile market, the buy-to-let one at the moment. It's more likely you'll be selling to an end user. And as an agent, I have to say, there's something quite nice about that. Instead of it all being about the numbers, it's about families, their needs and requirements. And of course, about how your house compares with others if you're selling. And what's happening in the market there seems to be a lot of conflict. You'll notice that if you look at various indexes, the indices are saying that the market's fallen 1% across the UK um, for the year. Of course, that's a very broad measure because there are areas which have jumped significantly and there are areas which have fallen. And really, the truth is somewhere between the two. What we're finding is this. There's a shortage of supply. We've got the three Ds, of course, death, debt and divorce. These are the three things that always happen in the property market. There's always a supply of property from people that have sadly passed away, their families selling on after getting the grant of probate and then those sales come to market these properties often need substantial modernization and buyers lap them up in my experience they love a property that needs a bit of work because it has the p word potential and providing the potential is matched by the price in other words that there's not too much of a difference over what it will cost to modernize and what the client is asking then we will find that they get snapped up always um, that's the death side of things of course um, debt uh, is always another thing where we have a lot of repossessions coming and that's always sad. And we're seeing a, a few of those, as you can imagine, and that's happening. A lot of those have been happening previously by select landlords um, and the lenders are repossessing. And also, of course, the last one is divorce. And again, very sad often, um, but it does mean that a house needs to be sold and the proceeds need to be distributed. And therefore, a lot of sales come up that way. Apart from that, the wider market, that can be fickle. And the reason it can be fickle is this. Agents are struggling for stock because the majority of the market are not moving right now. The majority of people are a little bit frightened by interest rates. They're a little bit frightened by what's going on generally. So there's a real lull in the supply of new property coming to the market. What this means is there's the same number of agents, of course, trying to service a much lower number of homes coming to market. So what many agents do in order to try and boost that supply line is they value the properties that they're looking at optimistically. In other words, they know, for instance, if a property is worth 500,000, instead of valuing it at 500,000, they'll value it at 600,000, knowing other agents will go in at 500,000. And then the argument will be, well, we're better. And this is quite often the case with the large corporates. They say, we can get you another 100,000 because we're better. Um, the reality is the market will out, in my view, anyway. Uh, whatever any agent says, it, you need the three Ps to be correct. Price, presentation and promotion. And in, by price, I mean, if the price isn't an accurate reflection in the current market, then nothing will happen. And lots of these big corporates that overvalue, if you look at their listings, you see them reduced, reduced, reduced. And that follows through in the stats that I see on Rightmove, where the larger corporates are the slowest to sell any houses, because of course, many of them have overvalued those properties. They're coming to market, they're not saleable at that level. And then you see the price gradually drop and drop because the agent has signed that client up for an extremely long contract, quite often 20 or 30 weeks, meaning that the seller of that property is tied to that agent, even if they feel misled for that period of time and they can't get out of it. And quite often we find we get calls from these people saying, can we come to you? Can we come and sell with you? We look at the contract and find that they're 10 weeks into a 20 week contract. And it's very difficult for us to help them without them incurring a multiple agency fee 
or worse, just the agent insisting that they won't even let them go multi. Um, and it can be very frustrating for clients, especially in a tough market. So what we've got is a mismatch then. We've got vendors whose expectations are being pushed up by agents unrealistically. And then the other side of the coin, we've got interest rates rising, affordability falling, and therefore buyers wanting to pay less. Of course, what happens is we all meet somewhere in the middle. How far in the middle is the real question, isn't it? The reality is what tends to happen is that sellers will come down in order to meet buyers' expectations and to get viewings through the door because smart agents will advise them without people actually physically viewing your property. You can't actually get offers. And if you haven't got offers, you can't sell your home, of course. So what happens is these properties come down in price to a level where all of a sudden they're acceptable to buyers. Now, they don't have to come down, as you might expect, by a vast amount. And the reason they don't have to come down by a vast amount is this, that there isn't the supply of properties. So as much as you could say, well, you know, it should be 5% lower now than it was last year. Well, that may be true. But what else is there on the market that compares against it that is similar? That's the key thing, because from a buyer's perspective, they're looking at this property and how it compares with others around it. And if there's nothing that's as good as this property, even if the price is optimistic there, you might find that the buyer will come up. And this is what we're finding is that buyers are nudging upwards because they're finding that as much as they expected that the world will be their oyster because sellers would just give away their houses. That's not proven to be the case. And on the other hand, sellers are realizing perhaps they went optimistic and they need to come down a bit in order to get access to the broader market and get a good buyer on board. So the combination of those two things is making people meet in the middle. And what we're finding is that that's led to a fairly static market in terms of prices. Certainly, we've seen a drop. That drop came in the late late end of back end of 2022. Since then, it's been stable. And that's been the case for the first half of this year so far. It's certainly going to be a tough, tough second half because interest rates will be rising. But as I've already said, that does mean that a lot of people will choose not to sell. And because there aren't as many people looking to buy it, then the two things sort of even out. And what we're finding right now is that anything that comes on a competitive price, particularly in the three bedroom houses ranges, is proving very popular um, because there just aren't enough new instructions that is new houses coming to market. But it is really tricky when you've got agents misleading sellers on price. And that means that there are lots of houses that are coming to market at prices that are 50 and 100,000 more than they should be. And therefore, they're unaffordable to the very buyers that should be buying them. And therefore, they don't sell. And it looks like the market's dropping massively because, of course, what happens is you see them on the web, you see them on Rightmove, reduced by 10,000, reduced by 20,000. Well, of course, they're reduced from a price that was never achievable in the first place. So they haven't really reduced at all. And it makes the whole reduction look much more dramatic. So careful of the dramatic headlines. I always say that when it comes to the press, remember, the market is reasonably stable, is not something that they want to report. They want to report the market is falling or the market is rising because that's sensational and sensational headlines sell newspapers and web space. So watch out for that. And I would say the truth is somewhere between the two. Yes, prices have fallen off a bit. Does that mean you should sell or shouldn't sell? Well, it really depends on your buying position and your selling position. For many people that have substantial equity, if they're selling at lower than they expect, it's really not a problem 
if they're buying at lower than they expect. And the two things do go hand in hand. Of course, if you have a very highly geared mortgage on your current property, you might find that it's just not possible to sell at that lower figure. And there are those people in that position, particularly first time buyers that bought just recently and are looking to move on from a couple of years ago where there's not much equity in their properties now. They can really struggle because, of course, they've got the higher interest rates to contend with, meaning affordability has dropped on the one hand. And on the other hand, there's been no rapid increase in their property value, meaning they don't have the equity that they once expected to have. In terms of the market here locally, though, what I have found is lots and lots of valuations are coming through to us here at James Alexander in Norbury. Um, and it really has been one of the busiest times for us. And I think that's because people are seeking out more quality information and advice due to the current circumstances. When the market's busy, you can go to anyone to sell your house and get advice because everyone knows that you just put it on the market and it sells. In a more tricky market like today, you need specialist advice and people that have experienced tough markets, rising interest rates and different circumstances such as rampant inflation. And that means going to experienced agents that know what it's like selling in a difficult market. Most agents today have not experienced such a market. All they've known is a bullish market where you put something on and if the price isn't right, doesn't matter because you wait. And eventually, because of house price inflation, the price catches up and people buy it anyway. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Pricing is one of the most important things and the accuracy of that pricing determines whether you're likely to move or not. In terms of the selling window as well, June is a good month for sales. What we find is there's two main selling seasons in property. The first season is that from the springtime. When is spring? I hear you ask. I often get asked this question. And it's when the weather breaks. And what I mean by that is, you know, February, March can sometimes be very cold and wet. And in our area where families are the key to the wider market sales, um, we need those families to come out, bring the pushchair and look around houses. And if the weather is really cold, they won't do that. So it needs the weather to break. And that's often in the early spring, as soon as the sun comes out and it starts to get a little bit warmer. And then that season runs for quite a long time, which is why it's quite a nice time to get your house on the market. It runs from early spring right the way through to the end of June. July and August quieten down. Why? Well, because of the school holidays in our area, particularly where it's young families buying. Once the children are off school, the parents don't want to know. And who can blame them? They'd rather be on holiday or enjoying the children and enjoying the break. And so July, August, people go away, tends to be quieter and therefore not the strongest part of the market. Now, in a bullish market, it doesn't really matter because instead of 100 people looking for houses in a certain price range, you've got 50. Well, that's still 50 people per house. So that's not a problem. But where the market is much more equal as it is now, these seasons can be really important. So we've got the rest of June. That will be busy, no doubt. Um, not as busy as it has been in the past, of course. I'm not suggesting the market is bullish. The market is there. It's just pricing that has to be right, presentation and promotion. Presentation is important. We've spoken about this before. Things like curb appeal are really underrated. The first thing that people will see when your house comes to market is the external shot, generally speaking. That's the shot of your house and its front door, or if you're in a flat, the block itself. But for most of us, if we're in houses, then the appearance of that front door, is it beautiful? Does it look welcoming and inviting? What about some flowers? What about maybe some mini trees out the front? Something to make it more attractive than its competitors. Look online in the price range of your house. See how you compare with others. Look at the ones that presented well and learn from them. And by presented well, I mean the front door is clean and fresh and is painted an attractive but not gaudy color. 
that you have perhaps flower boxes out, that the weeds are all swept away and pruned and everything looks clean, neat and inviting. That's really important because remember, when people are hovering with that mouse, they have a lot of choice. And the choice and most important choice is do they click on your home? And you need them to, because if they don't click on it, then they won't go to the next stage, which is viewing it. And that's the critical thing. So we measure that click through rate. And actually, most agents do this as well. If you go into uh, Rightmove on the professional side, we can see how many people have clicked on the properties that we're marketing. And we can also see how many people have then clicked through to the whole full particular set on that property. And from this, we can gauge very quickly what sort of level of interest and traction it's getting against its competitors within that range. And we can then produce graphs on that showing what the average property of this type and style will be getting in terms of click throughs and what this particular property is getting in terms of click throughs. And then what our company's average is and our company's average, proud to say, tends to be below the general average of click through. Um, and that's due to the fact that we get the price promotion presentation right in the first place, of course. Now, uh, on from there, when they clicked on that property and they arranged the viewing, they will be viewing several. How long do you need to leave for a viewing? Well, I always say leave between 20 minutes and half an hour. Um, let the buyers do the talking if you're doing the viewings yourself and be guided by their conversation. Too many times I see sellers overselling their properties and buyers just feel uncomfortable with it. You know, and look at this wonderful kitchen and aren't these doors wonderful, these bifolds that slide right across and reveal this beautiful lawned garden, which, by the way, faces southwest and on. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, by the way, the garden faces southwest. I think it's important that it's mentioned for many people. Certainly it's important. The point I'm making is that there's a very fine line between selling and overselling. And this is where it's better that the agent does the viewings than the client. And we actually accompany all of our viewings. And it's important that those viewings are accompanied because getting that balance right and making feel people feel comfortable is really important. I had a client come in to me just yesterday and say she wanted to buy a house in Croydon. She spoke to the agent. She made an offer on the house. It turned out that the offer she made was too low, but she needed to go up by another 15000 She didn't, not because she didn't want to pay the extra 15000 but she felt uncomfortable with the way the agent was conducting the negotiations. And so she just decided it didn't feel right. And she's gone ahead to buy something which is actually 20000 more expensive. So it wasn't the money. It was the way the agent approached the negotiations, which can, you know, it's stressful enough, isn't it? If an agent seems dodgy or shady, then that's the last thing that buyers want. They want somebody that they feel they can have confidence in. Now, of course, an agent, we do act, generally speaking, although we act for both sides. Sometimes we get paid by buyers to find houses. Sometimes we're retained. Uh, you can't act for both sides, by the way. That'd be conflict of interest. But you can act for one or the other. So I could be a, a buying agent. And that means I'm looking at other estate agents stock and trying to negotiate them for my client. Or more typically, what we do is we charge our seller clients. And therefore, when we're speaking to buyers, of course, our views and our sentiments are or should always be. And ours certainly are loyal to the client seller, meaning our job is to get the best price we can for them in the current market. And it's really important that those negotiations are handled delicately, respectfully and professionally. And for every buyer, that's different. You know, sometimes you can go too hard on the on the pushing, which many agents do. And this makes buyers feel uncomfortable. And sometimes you can go too soft. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, what about offers? 
And I always encourage an offer because even if the offer is low, then we have a psychological commitment from that applicant that they might buy this house. And then once we've got that, we can then work with that. We can speak to them and say, look, I'm really pleased you've offered. I'm pleased that you see what we see in this lovely home. But unfortunately, the offer you've made is too low. We're trying our best for you and we want to do better for you. But unfortunately, we need to put more money to the client. But look at all the reasons why you could buy this house and why it would be right for you and your family. We often use what I call them, which means that argument. So, for instance, if somebody's got a large Labrador and the most important thing is they have a south facing garden so they and the dog can enjoy the garden, then you could, for instance, say, by the way, John, I've got the house fantastic one that you should be buying. The reason you should be buying it is it's got a hundred foot garden, which means that you can go out there and enjoy the sunshine because it's Southwest facing and Rex can go out there and run around because it's a hundred foot long. Now that's the, which means that argument and relating the benefits to people's circumstances, people love to hear because then they envision their own family doing what they want to do in that new property. So that's a really good way of selling to a client. But, you know, you can't do it blindly. It has to be right. Many agents will say you should go and view this house because it's fantastic. What do you mean? Why is it fantastic? What's fantastic about it? You know, and a lot of buyers will see straight through that, be uncomfortable. And before you know it, they won't want to deal with that agent anymore. Who's the loser? The seller of the house that's on with that agent. So that's where a good agent can really differentiate themselves from a bad agent in terms of selling houses. It's tough. It's not easy. You know, people think it's all about sitting down and waiting for the phones to ring. It's not. It's much tougher than that. And it's much more nuanced, as I hope you begin to understand from this podcast. So thanks very much for listening this week. As always, hope you have a great week. We'll be back next Friday with another edition. Until then, look after yourselves and if you can, your family and friends. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.